Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens through the praise of children and infants. You have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Oh, good morning, LEFC. It's great to be here with you this morning. I, uh, I, I want you to know that, that Tony's introduction of me here during the second service was much more gracious and kind than it was in the first service. He took his cheap shots in the first service, and I gave them right back. And I want you also to know that even though he was much kinder and gentler in this service, I'm still going to take my shots at him. You know, over the course of close to, to 40 years uh, of ministry, God's allowed me the opportunity to, to go to a lot, of, a lot of places, meet a lot of different people, and, and share God's Word in a lot of different uh, in environments. And I've learned that, that one thing you, you don't do when you go into a new environment and you meet people for the first time like this, the one thing you don't want to do is say something that's going to cause people to say, I don't want to listen to him. But I'm going to do that anyway. Here goes. I was the guy all those many years ago at Hershey Free Church. I was the guy that did not want to hire Tony Hunt. Now, I, 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 thank you for not booing me or throwing rotten tomatoes, which is what I expected some of you to do. Let me, let me explain myself, all right? You know, way back in those days of, of student ministry at Hershey Free, God was just was blessing what was happening in, in Hershey, and, and, and we approached the elders of the church and said, hey, we need some help. We need to hire another staff person, and the elders saw that need and gave us the blessing to, to go out and, and find another staff person. So we, we created a job description, and, and then we created a profile of the kind of person that it was that we were, we were going to start looking for. And whether you agree or not, let me, let me share with you the profile that we created. We, we said, for one, that, that we wanted a person who was married because we believed that, that marriage brought a stability to a man's life that, that wouldn't be there otherwise, so we wanted a married person. And, and the second thing we were looking for is we wanted ministry experience, proven ministry experience, because we were a, we were a large youth ministry and we didn't want to be the training ground for an inexperienced guy. 
So after posting this, this job everywhere we knew to post it, we got lots of different resumes. And my job was to look at the profile, look at the resume, and put everybody on one of two piles. A definite maybe and a definite no. And I got Tony's resume. Not married, very little ministry experience. He's a no. And then I got this phone call from a man that I had never met before in my life. And he was calling to give the strongest recommendation that he could give for Tony Hunt. This man said, look, I know you're looking for somebody with, with much more experience than what Tony has, but, but just trust me, this man knows youth ministry, and he can do it, and you need to give him a chance. And, and I know you're looking for somebody that's married, and Tony's not married, but trust me, that's not going to continue to be the case for, you know, for a lot longer. Just go ahead, take the chance, and, and hire this guy. And then the person on the phone said, and of all the people on the planet, I should know what kind of person Tony Hunt is because my name's Randy Hunt. I'm his dad. I'm on the other end of the phone going, you have got to be kidding me. Now, is Randy here? Is Randy here? Oh, good. All right, Randy's not here. You know Randy. He was not going to give up. He was not going to let me, you know, hang up the phone until I promised to give his kid an interview. And more out of a desire just to get him off the line, I finally said, okay, all right, we'll interview him. I told some folks on the search committee, hey, we're going to, we're going to interview a, a guy that's not married, doesn't have any experience. And he looked at me like, why? I said, well, because his dad told me I had to, you know? <laughs> so... Long story short, we bring Tony in and who knows, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes into the interview, we're all looking at each other like, this is the guy. This is the guy. Which only proves that what we think we know, we, we don't have a clue. But God is sovereign. God knows what he's doing. And I love this guy, proud of this guy, and uh, you're very fortunate to have him serve as, uh, as your pastor. In preparation for this morning, Pastor Tony brought me up to speed on the, the, the Genesis series that, that you all are in the midst of. And, and uh, I know that, that last Sunday, in, in particular, Pastor Tony spoke about how, from Genesis chapter 3, and, and, and the original sin and the fall, how sin has broken relationships uh, between us and God, and between us and mankind, us and one another. And Pastor Tony prepared me to say, hey, I want the focus of your message to be on the fact that sin has broken relationships between us and mankind. And then he went on to say, look, I preached from Genesis chapter 3. Why don't you use Genesis chapter 4 as your primary text? So I'm going to do that this morning. So if you have a Bible, please uh, turn with me, please, to Genesis chapter 4. I know there's some folks coming down the aisles that have Bibles uh, to give you if you need one, or you can certainly follow along uh, online as well. I've entitled uh, this morning's message very simply, Why Can't We All Just Get Along? Why can't we all just get along? And, and the title of the message is a question, and, and the answer's already been given. It's because of sin. Sin has broken relationships. The example we're going to look at this morning, briefly, here in Genesis chapter 4, is the classic 
Bible story of Cain and Abel. Now, if you grew up in a church, you know this story, you know this text, you know what happens. This is a perfect example of how sin has broken relationships between mankind. I'm going to pick up the story, if I may, at the middle of, of verse 2. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. <clears throat> now, let me, let me stop right there and just kind of reflect on, on that one sentence, because some people misunderstand this story and misunderstand what takes place in the story because some believe that that one of the two brothers chose a better vocation than the other and that's why God showed favor to one as compared to the other and and that that does not prove to be the case in the text here The, the text just very simply says Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil one worked with animals and one worked the ground They just had different vocations. They had different types of work. All right? Verse verse 3. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Now, in and of itself, what that says in verse 3 is a good thing. Cain's like, hey, I'm going to take an offering to God. I'm going to grab some of the, you know, the, the fruits of the soil and I'm going to give this, this offering to God. Cain made that choice. This is what he chose to do. In and of itself, it's a good thing. Verse 4. Abel also brought an offering. He brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Notice the offerings were different. Cain brought some. Abel brought some of the best. Abel brought the fat portions of some of the firstborn. The firstborn is the, is the best of the flock, the favorite in the flock. Cain brought some. Abel brought some of the best. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Another misunderstanding that some people take from this text is that, that, that God's favor on Abel was just like a, a random choice. God just randomly chose to show favor to, to Abel and not to Cain. And, and that doesn't prove out in the text. God's favor is on Abel because God, who knows the heart and knows why Abel chose to give some of the best, whereas Cain just chose to give some. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you, Cain, you must roll over it. The choice you made has been made. The choice your brother made has been made. I show favor to him, and, and unfortunately that means I'm not showing favor to you. But now you have a choice to make, Cain. Sin's Crouching at the door. What are you going to do about it? It's your choice. The ball's in your court. Verse 8. Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. 
Now, if we're sitting in a movie theater, I kind of feel like we're doing that right now. And you staring at this ugly character on the, on the screen. You're in the movie theater right now. The, the, the music would go on. It would go, dun, dun, dun. Let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother, Abel, and killed him. Murdered him. Took his life. Why? Because sin has broken relationships between mankind. This is a great example of that biblical truth. But it's just one of many examples that, that, that we, could, we could look at this morning. And beyond the biblical text, we could look at broken families, broken marriages, broken relationships between parents and their children. Unfortunately, after 40 years of, of, of ministry experience, I can say there's lots of broken relationships in the church. Churches are broken. And I haven't even yet touched on politics. The broken relationships between the red and the blue, the conservative and the Democrat, the, you know, the, 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 what did I just say? I forget what I just said. What did I say, Tony? You weren't paying attention. Never mind. All right. Republicans, Democrats, conservative liberals, and all those labels, you know. Uh, it, it, it's just broken. Relationships are broken. Why can't we just get along? Because of sin. I don't think anything more needs to be said to, to kind of prove the, the, the point that, that Pastor Tony asked me to hit hard this morning. Instead, I'd rather use the rest of our time to answer this question. <clears throat> how do we live now in a fallen sinful world where sin has broken relationships between mankind you can see on the screen my, my simple outline that we're going we're gonna to walk through together this morning we're going to look at our relationship with ourselves. we're going to look at our relationships with other Christians and then we're going to look at our relationships with non-Christians and I will be the first one to admit that I'm not a very smart guy, but I think that kind of summarizes all the relationships that we have. So here we go. Our relationship with ourselves. I need to tell you that I, I, I worked and I served for uh, 27 years as the chaplain at the Milton Hershey School before I retired uh, June a year ago. And, and, and in retirement, I now serve part-time as the chaplain at a Christian school in Shiremanstown, a place called the West Shore Christian Academy. The miracle was Monday morning, four middle school girls walked into my office at the school. And it started with small talk. Hey, Pastor Mike, how was your weekend? You know, what'd you do? And, and hey, what does your week look like? And I took the occasion to tell these four girls, well, I'm, I'm preaching at this church on Sunday, and here's what I'm going to preach on. Girls, do you have any advice for me? One of the girls said, oh, yeah, Pastor Mike, remember that, that message you gave in chapel a week ago? Remember the one from Romans chapter 12, verse 3? You, you need to tell the people at that church, Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Now, one miracle was, that she actually listened. I couldn't believe she even heard what I had to say. But the second miracle was she was actually able to take that message and apply it to this context today and say, tell these people what Romans chapter 12 verse 3 says. So I want to tell you what Romans chapter 12 verse 3 says. 
For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. I did take the opportunity to, to, to view the, 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 the message that, that Pastor Tony shared last Sunday. I, I viewed it online, and I do know that he said in the context of that message from Genesis 3 that, that, that we're wired to be selfish people because of sin. We're proud, we're, we're arrogant, and we often think about ourselves before we think about others. For some of us, our reality is that the world is spinning round and round and we are the very center of it. Everything revolves around us. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. When we tend to think more highly of ourselves than we ought, what results from that is us tending to think less about others and looking down sometimes on others, which is not healthy. You know, um, in my, my work at Milton Hershey School, I, I had the privilege of also coaching the high school football team and, and, and the high school basketball team. And, and over the course of a lot of years, I had the, the great opportunity to impact some young men in, in, in the context of those sports. And one of the guys... One of the guys finished his senior year at Milton Hershey School, and he was not only all-conference, he was all-state, he was all-American, and that resulted in him receiving a full football scholarship to, to Penn State, and after his days at, at Penn State came to a conclusion, he ended up playing professional football with the Seattle Seahawks and the San Francisco 49ers. And after he made all that money, I think he forgot about me. Anyway, after all that money, seven years of professional football, he chose to retire. What does he do in retirement? He took some of the money that he made in his professional football career, and he bought an old abandoned high school in the city of Harrisburg. And he is renovating that building in order to make it housing for low-income families. Because this young man came out of poverty, which is what resulted in him coming to the Milton Hershey School. Because of who he is, you know, 6'6", 350 pounds, because of what he's done in terms of his on-field success and accomplishments, because of the money that he's made, because of what he continues to do in terms of good things for his community, this young man is constantly being bombarded with people saying things like, man, you're awesome. Man, you've, you've done some great stuff and you're still doing good stuff. I think it's amazing that you're giving back to your community. I think it's just great what you're doing. All that's true. But if that young man were here today, he would want you to hear him say, all that I am, all that I've done, and all that I'll ever do is all because of God. That is an example of not thinking of yourself more highly than you ought. How about our relationships with other Christians? I'd like to tell you another story. 
How many of you are, uh, I am, how many of you are fans of the uh, lead singer for a band called U2, uh, Bono? Anybody? Anybody a Bono fan? Okay, a couple people, all right? Bono was invited to speak at an event called the Willow Creek Christian Leadership Conference, which is held every year at Willow Creek Church, which is outside of Chicago. Big mega church out there. I'm not quite sure why Bono was asked to speak on Christian leadership, but he was invited to speak and, and, and he accepted the invitation and he went and he participated in this conference. The closing event of the conference was the, the, the president of the Willow Creek Leadership Conference, which was a man by the name of Bill Hybels. Bill Hybels was interviewing Bono on stage in front of all the attendees. It was kind of a rapid fire question and answer thing. At one point, Bill Hybel says uh, to Bono, hey, do you consider yourself a Christian? Which I kind of thought was a silly question because don't you think they would have asked that question before they invited him to speak at a Christian leadership conference, right? Okay, I'm, I wasn't there, I wasn't involved. But anyway, Bono, you know, he speaks, he opens his mouth, he spoke words and he, and he said something, but he never really answered the question. He kind of he skirted it, right? Hybels went on to ask him some other questions and eventually came back to that question. Hey, I, I asked you this question earlier. I noticed you really didn't answer it. Do you consider yourself a Christian? Bono said, I'll, I'll answer your question, but you're not going to like the answer. Bill Hybels says, look, you know, this is a, we're all friends here. This is a safe context. You know, speak your heart, speak your mind. Bono went on to say, I love Jesus. It's his followers that I can't stand. And when Hybels probed that and said, like, well, why? Bono said this, because all they do is fight. Folks, I, I want to say two things, which may be interpreted by you as speaking out both sides of my mouth. Because I want to say, I believe Bono overstated his answer just a little bit. But the other part of me says, again, almost 40 years of ministry, he's not far from the truth. Why can't we, why can't we as Christians get along? Because sin has broken relationships between mankind, even between us as Christians. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You know, I, I, I truly believe that if we as Christ followers, if we as Christians could view one another as being all part of a larger whole, we are all part of the body of Christ. We are spiritual brothers and, and, and sisters in Christ. We are one in Christ. I, I believe that would go a long way in helping us to not agree on everything, 
but agree to disagree and say, brother, I love you anyway. Just on this issue, we don't see eye to eye. Folks, I, I, can, I can tell you over the years that your pastor and I have not always seen eye to eye on everything in life. But I can tell you this, when we disagreed and the disagreement was over, I loved him and he loved me and I was for him and he was for me and we were not going to allow the disagreement to get between us. Why can't we get along? Why can't we as brothers and sisters in Christ get along? Because sin has broken relationships. Let's look at our relationships with non-Christians. There are a lot of different passages and texts that, that we, could, we could turn to this morning and look at which are illustrative of, of the heart of God for the lost. You know, there's the story of little Zacchaeus. You know, he climbed up in the sycamore tree because he wanted to see Jesus. And he was so short, you know, he, he couldn't see over the crowd. So he climbs up in the tree to see Jesus. And Jesus comes walking by and, walking by and hey, 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 Zach, come on down. Come on. I'm going to go hang out at your house for dinner. The Christ followers, the, the, the Christians were like, are you kidding me? He's going to go to that guy's house for dinner? He's a tax collector and he's a sinner. The unspoken was, we hate him, but you're going to go to his house for dinner? In that story, Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. You who believe in me, you who love me, you who follow me, you're already in a good place. I came for people like Zacchaeus. I came to seek and save the lost. But where I really want to land this morning is Luke chapter 15. There were a, a group of people known as the Pharisees. The, these were the religious elite. They were the well-schooled, you know, Bible people. They, they knew the Jewish law inside and out, and they were proud of it. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they muttered to themselves, this, this man, Jesus, he, he welcomes sinners, and he eats with them. Can you imagine that? And in response to what, these Pharisees and teachers of the law said, Jesus tells three parables. These are called the lost parables. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son. We know that parable more as the, the parable of the prodigal son. In each of these parables, something is lost. A sheep, a coin, and a child, a son. In the parable of the lost sheep, you know, the, the shepherd says, he, he has a hundred sheep. I'm going to leave the 99 so I can go find the one that's lost. And when the one that is lost is found, he calls his friends and his neighbors and says, rejoice with me. I've found my lost sheep. 
Now, it's just a story, right? A story to illustrate a point. Here's the point, verse 7. Jesus said, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. It shows the heart of God for the lost. And then there's the parable of the lost coin. A woman has 10 coins and she loses one. She tears her house upside down looking for that lost coin. Eventually, she finds it. And again, she calls her friends and her neighbors and says, hey, rejoice with me. I found my lost coin. What's the point of the story? That's what a parable is. What's the point of the story? Verse 10. In the same way, Jesus said, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. God's heart is for the lost. The same truth comes out in the parable of the, the lost son, in the story of the prodigal son. Here this son says, Dad, you know, give me, give me my inheritance so I can go off and live on my own. Folks, do you, do you understand that, that in the context of that request, the son was really saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. That's what he was saying. Give me my money now. The father does it. And the son squanders his inheritance in what the scripture calls wild living. And while eating slop in the pig pen with the pigs, he says to himself, you know what, I could, I could probably go home and, and be a servant in my dad's household. I don't deserve to be a son anymore because I'm a knucklehead, but I'm going to go home and just ask my dad if I could be one of his servants. And you know the end of the story. As the son is returning home, Dad sees him a long way off and rushes to embrace his son and said, my, my, my son, who was lost, you're now found. You're home. You are not going to be one of my servants. You are my son. And we're going to throw a party and celebrate the fact that you came home. Man, that, that shows the heart of God for the lost. Where is your heart? For the lost. You know, in, in working with, with middle school, high school students, almost all of my career, I like to begin to wrap up a message as I'm about to do right now by asking a simple two-word question. And, and students wrestle with this. The question is simple. So what? So what? Sin has broken relationships between mankind. We could sit here this morning and say, well, there's nothing we can do about sin. It ain't going away. It is what it is. Relationships are messed up. We just need to make the best of a messed up sinful world. And I would say, God would have a different challenge for you this morning. So let me, let me ask you this question. Who is it that you are struggling with in relationship right now. And, and please don't be inclined to sit in your seat and say, well, nobody. I'm at peace with everybody. Because uh, I, for one, will not choose to believe that. We're all struggling with difficult relationships in some context. Maybe your struggle is with the person that you see when you look in the mirror. Maybe for you, it's 
you, you just think you're all that in a slice of bread and, and, and you know, you just got it all together and, and everybody is lesser than you. Maybe the challenge you need to hear this morning is, God, help me to deal with this pride and humble yourself before the Lord. Maybe your struggles with another Christian. Maybe, well, what do I know? Maybe we've got people sitting over here on this side of the, of the sanctuary and they're strategically sitting over here because the enemy's over here. Ah, I know, I know. I grew up in the church. I've been part of church my whole life. I know how we Christians act sometimes. It's like, hey, let's hurry up and get to church. We can sit in the balcony because the bad guys are going to be on the floor, right? Maybe what you need to be challenged to do this morning is when this service is over, to get up and walk across the sanctuary or get up and walk up the steps to the, to the upper level because you need to do what you can do to heal a broken relationship with one of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Or maybe, maybe your struggle is with a non-Christian, a non-believer. Maybe it's a neighbor, a co-worker. Maybe it's a, a family member who doesn't yet believe. Now, you, you might be inclined to say, well, well, Pastor Mike, thanks for coming. I'm glad you visited with us this morning, but you don't know my neighbor. You don't know my coworker. You don't know their language. You don't know how they talk. You don't know the way they, be, the way they behave. You, you don't know the things that they, they do, the things that they say. You, you, don't, you don't know their, their, their views on, on life and how different they are than mine. How in the world can you challenge me to do that? My, my challenge, my encouragement is for you to, to view those in your life that you're in relationship with that aren't believers. Look at them the way God would look at them. God's heart is for the lost. My last question to all of us is what are we going to do to bring those broken relationships into a right standing with God? I was uh, encouraged after the first service this morning to, to remember that the scripture says, as much as lies within you, be at peace with all men. And the unspoken is that it takes two to be in a right relationship. I get it. I understand. But what can you do to take a step to right a relationship in your life that's broken today? And will you take that step? Let me finish by reading these words from Galatians chapter 5. Just listen as I read. Verses 13, 14, and 15. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge yourself. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you continue to bite and devour each other, watch out. Or you will be destroyed by that behavior. May God help us to respond in obedience today to do what we can to heal broken relationships. Let's pray. God, thank you for allowing me the opportunity to be here at LEFC this morning. God, thank you. As we were reminded this morning in that last song that we sang, 
There's hope, and it's in the blood of Jesus. Father, for those of us here this morning who call ourselves Christians, who've been covered by the blood of Jesus, who have been born again, who have been renewed, who have been regenerated, God, I pray out of a desire to, to, to honor you and, and, and to be obedient to you, I pray, God, that we would respond this morning by doing what we can do to take steps towards healing broken relationships in our lives. God, help us to, to not think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Help us to, to love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, realizing that, that we are one in you. And God, give us your heart for the lost, which enables us to, to reach out to them and love them and show them the gospel by the way we interact with them. God, work in our lives this morning. For your honor, for your glory, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand in response. Pray that God would work in us and through us.
So two very simple points. Who and then how. Who is it that we might have a broken relationship with? And how might we build bridges of reconciliation with them? This is not easy to do. And just this past week, I've had to apply these principles where I had a situation where there was a potential for greater brokenness. And in my flesh, I really wanted to respond differently than what I knew I should. And so I kept pausing and waiting before responding to this individual. And then I got to a place where I was like, you know what, Lord? I just need at this point for you to help me to respond by your spirit and not by my flesh. Because I know that everything I can think of that is by my flesh is going to lead to further brokenness. And so I need you to take over and help me to speak by your spirit. And that prayer, you know, I have my heart that now I am back. I cannot and will not choose to respond by my flesh because I'd be in violation of the very thing I'm asking God to do. And so then that causes a surrendering. And that just that process this week helped me get to the better place and how to respond to a, a, a brother in Christ in a way that didn't fracture further the relationship. You might have some situations that has been years in the making, years of brokenness, and to try to operate in a way of building a bridge is no small construction. It's something significant. But we're called by God, by His Spirit, to not operate by the flesh, but by His Spirit to bring healing to those relationships, taking one step at a time. If you'd like to talk to someone about this, to have somebody pray for you, to pray that same prayer like, God, help me somehow to respond by your spirit and not by my flesh. We'll have people in the encounter room that would be glad to pray with you, hear from you. Uh, Pastor Mike and I will be up front as well. We'd be glad to uh, pray with you, to discuss with you these challenges. This, this is where sin shows up most quickly, is in our relationships. So may God help us by his spirit, operate as ones who bring healing, not further brokenness. Amen? Amen. You are dismissed. God bless. And may God use you to bring healing to others.